Thought Leadership Studio. You're listening to Thought Leadership Studio, the podcast that helps you master high-level positive mass influence to create distinctive business niches, captivate an audience, grow your following, and change the game by changing the frame with strategic thought leadership. Thought Leadership Studio. Welcome back to Thought Leadership Studio. I'm Chris McNeil. I'm a strategic thought leadership coach and consultant, master NLP practitioner, and marketing consultant and marketer. And if you're following this podcast and this isn't your first one, by the way, if it is your first one, welcome. Super glad to have you here. But one might ask, what's the point of all the focus on the mind game aspect? And the point is, is that if you're going to lead people, if you're going to practice strategic thought leadership, which includes leading people to new thinking, if it's truly new thinking, it's coming from a place of creativity. So there's a design process. It's like an artistic process looked at from the right point of view. It is an artistic process when you're drawing from your resources to invent a new perspective, a stepping stone from the prevalent point of view about your product, your service, your field, your profession. So strategic thought leadership means you're building a bridge from the old point of view to a new point of view that you have designed. And while there's this phenomenon of external strategic thought leadership, which is centered around building campaigns for marketing or for influencing an audience around a strategically created thought leadership model that leads them to unique benefits. So it has to be about the audience. It has to be from their point of view. And that's what separates it from manipulation. It's the difference between leadership and manipulation is intent. And the clarity of intent comes from taking, truly taking the audience's point of view. And it's really in their hands anyways, because there's nothing keeping them from going back to their old thinking if they find it better. All you can do, though, is give them an alternative, which means you're expanding their choices, which means you're giving them more freedom with a new choice. So the internal strategic thought leadership is about training the mind of the practitioner or the group mind of the team that is practicing strategic thought leadership. And sometimes I wonder if I almost dislike the term thought leader because of its previous associations with things like just having a large social media audience. But when you look at it like a verb rather than a noun, or what you would call a nominalization of turning a verb of practicing strategic thought leadership as opposed to being a thought leader, and focus on the high-level, skilled, effective practice of thought leadership, then it opens up a world of possibilities of positive influence, a world of possibilities of making a positive difference, of having a large-scale impact that can help us all be more free 
from the traps of limiting belief systems, more free from conventional thinking that could be outdated. And it can be applied to belief systems as global as literally the globe, the environment, or simple and easily challenged and changed is a market segment's general thinking about how you use a particular product or service. What it's for, what role it plays in the lives of the users, what the important characteristics of it are, what to revere about it, what it can do for you, what its best and highest purpose is. In training the creative mind to make new connections, find new ways of using the product or service, bring it to a new purpose associated with a new value system that wasn't connected before, but that's strong in your target audience. And you, when you move the thinking of an audience this way, and you make a huge positive difference and cast your product or service in the best possible light at the same time, and why wouldn't anyone in marketing persuasion or leadership want to do that but it brings up the need for mental skills, including, but not limited to, the mental skills of creativity. And there's some who say, oh, you can't teach creativity. And in a sense, that's true because it's innate. We are all creative, despite what someone's second grade art instructor may have told them. But we're all not painters, we're all not musicians, and we don't need to be. You can bring creativity to any act because it's a state of consciousness where you have an immersion and you're bringing in both conscious and unconscious processes to bring about something new. And in this case, new ways of thinking. And just like an art form, just like a song or a symphony or a sculpture, it's conveying a state of consciousness in some cases beyond what you could describe in words. So when you realize that you're bringing in this artistic, creative state of mind to designing new, better futures for your audience, new mental models that give them extra choices and that elevate their experience of a product, service, field, or profession in a new way, you're bringing in the skills of the artist. And while creativity is innate, it doesn't mean you can't teach people or you can't learn to have better access to that innate creativity. You absolutely can. It's about creating the environment that invites creativity. It's about understanding the mental processes of the great creative geniuses and modeling them. And I owe a great debt to a guy named Robert Diltz, who's one of the early people in NLP, part of the original study group, I believe. Um, he's written a lot of books, and he's one of the best modelers of excellence. And he had the ability to extract the essential components of creative genius by studying long-deceased geniuses, studying the writings and interviews, etc., and using the syntax of NLP to extract how to convey the essential parts of that to others. And it's a question of, well, are creative geniuses like Mozart, Einstein, Tesla, Da Vinci, Walt Disney, are they born or are they made? And the answer is both. We're all born. And we all have to make our 
unique way of accessing and expressing our innate creativity. And they developed ways largely unconscious to themselves. Just like if you ask a peak performance athlete, how do you get yourself in that state of mind? They go, I don't know, but if you know how to ask them, you can really find out. It's usually something they think they just do, but this just doing it includes a sequence of feelings, images, sounds, words that create a chain of processes that evoke peak performance states of mind. It can be used to invite genius in, invite creative genius in, invite creative inspiration in, in service of coming up with creative, inspiring thought leadership positions that can move an audience to new thinking that benefits them and that benefits you. And after a short break for our sponsor, which I promise is not just to break the state of mental habits, we'll come back and talk about the concept of the inner board of advisors. How to use the imagination to access more of your creativity this way. Thought Leadership Studio. message from our sponsor, Scorpion Helpers. Scorpions can only race up to a certain age before they are sidelined and put out to pasture, sometimes with debilitating injuries from their years of racing. Even the more famous ones are forgotten about and sometimes left to rot away in cages with a scrap of lobster artichoke salad thrown to them here and there. We want to find homes for these former racing scorpions. We want to let them live out their final years in a beautiful setting. You can give a retired racing scorpion a good retirement of living their golden years out in a ranch setting, free to roam, play, and frolic with the other retired racing scorpions for only $50 a month per quarter pound of scorpions. Sponsor a racing scorpion. Give them a good retirement. Scorpionhelpers.com Make a donation today and get a free bib with the Scorpion Helpers logo, along with a signed picture of the former champion racing scorpion, Ralph of the Atlantean Wildebeests. Scorpionhelpers.com Make a donation today. Save a scorpion from being relegated to a traveling circus where they're forced to play tricks and jump through hoops in front of a crowd in between being carried from city to city, all alone and only one train car per scorpion per room. Make a donation today at scorpionhelpers.com.
So today I'm introducing to you the concept of your inner board of advisors. So what will this do for you? It'll help you tap into more inspiration and motivation, help you overcome limiting beliefs. It'll help you step outside limits of identity and leverage the incredible power of your imagination in service of your goals, whether that's for achieving a grand vision or solving a particular business or personal problem, whatever it is you choose to use it for, or maybe creating this great creative work. But before we jump further in, if you're listening to this on an app, so you're not on thoughtleadershipstudio.com, make sure you check out the link in the episode notes. It'll take you to the episode page that includes supporting information that fits better in graphic form on a web page and being audible on the podcast. And that'll help fill out your perspective on this powerful technique I'm about to share with you. Now, the episode page also includes links to free offers, including the Marketer's Guide to Strategic Thought Leadership. If you haven't gotten that, you want to get that, it'll help really build your knowledge level of the building blocks of strategic thought leadership. And also, currently, I'm offering a free 30-minute strategy and brainstorming session to help you with your strategic thought leadership or your marketing program. And be sure to subscribe if you haven't already, as well as give this a review. Now, this is one of many mental training techniques that can fit into the inner think part concept I talked about in a podcast a few weeks ago. You can consider it like an attraction in this concept of the inner theme park. And it combines a couple of methods of accelerated learning and mental performance training, modeling excellence, and then amplifying that excellence modeling by stacking models excellence with the creative imagination. So it's a powerful application of the imagination to overcome what one might call limits of identity. Like, we start to believe that we're a certain kind of person who can only do certain things, which isn't really true, that's just a mental construct. Similarly, it helps see around and outside of limiting beliefs by tapping into our personal vision of people we know could achieve whatever it is we want to achieve. 
So the other board of advisors, imagine how powerful it would be if you could choose a group of say five to seven people who represent the qualities you'd like to see in the best and highest version of yourself, who you'd like to be, who you draw the greatest inspiration from. And what if these people were available to come together and meet in order to review your progress towards your goals, or maybe even to inspire better and higher goals, maybe to inspire a powerful vision. So we're talking about the power of the group mind. The group mind that serves, and in many cases, serves back in reciprocal fashion for the entrepreneur, founder or solopreneur or thought leader can take various forms that include a mastermind group when people come together in the spirit of harmony to support each other's goals. It can be a board of directors, which is a helpful function that sometimes a mastermind group can serve part of for an entrepreneur who doesn't have direct accountability. It helps expand the knowledge that's available, helps expand the creative thinking that's available. It can take the form of a network group, which is a little bit of a lighter version of this. It also can expand the knowledge and the beliefs and the ability to accomplish things. And this is not a new concept. Napoleon Hill wrote about it in his famous book, Think and Grow Rich. Now, here's a side note on Think and Grow Rich. Now, the title of the book, to some, might imply greed about money, but it isn't really just about money. Now, I remember Jay Abraham, a marketing consultant and author who became famous through multiple breakthrough success stories, saying that true wealth is denominated on many vectors, maybe the least of which is money, but money will always come if you have the others. And maybe the greatest wealth is the feeling of creating a wealth of contribution to others. And now back to the inner board of advisors. And of course, J. Abraham and Napoleon Hill are two people I'd have in my own internal advisory board or internal mastermind. However you choose to frame this concept for yourself, 
So here's how Napoleon Hill framed it in Think and Grow Rich, and I quote, I found myself trying to imitate those whom I most admired. Moreover, I discovered that the element of faith with which I endeavored to imitate my idols gave me great capacity to do so quite successfully. I have never entirely divested myself of this habit of hero worship, although I have passed the age commonly given over to such. My experience has taught me that the next best thing to being truly great is to emulate the great by feeling in action as nearly as possible. Long before I had ever written a line for publication or endeavored to deliver a speech in public, I followed the habit of reshaping my own character by trying to imitate the nine men whose lives and life works had been the most impressive to me. The nine men were Emerson, Paine, Edison, Darwin, Lincoln, Burbank, Napoleon, Ford, and Carnegie. Every night, over a long period of years, I held an imaginary council meeting with this group whom I called my invisible counselors. The procedure was this, just before going to sleep at night, I would shut my eyes and see in my imagination this group of men seated around me, around my council table. Here I had not only an opportunity to sit among those whom I considered to be great, but I actually dominated the group by serving as the chairman. I had a very definite purpose in indulging my imagination through these nightly meetings. My purpose was to rebuild my own character so it would represent a composite of the characters of my imaginary counselors, realizing, as I did early in life, that I had to overcome the handicap of birth in an environment of ignorance and superstition. I deliberately assigned myself the task of voluntary rebirth through the method here described. So that was Napoleon Hill from Think and Grow Rich, pages 212 and 213. So this inner board of advisors concept builds on a thought experiment called the model of excellence that unlocks possibilities by removing limits of identity, removing limits of belief, and asking questions like, who represents excellence in handling issues like you're dealing with? Is it a famous author, a consultant, a business person, or maybe a historical genius like Tesla or Einstein or Da Vinci? What about a mythical figure or a fictional person? And what would be different if this person or this mythic being or fictional person took your place in dealing with your challenges and opportunities? How might things turn out differently? Now with the inner board of advisors, we're just corralling more of them. And you can take it as far as taking them through the model of excellence exercise I'm gonna walk through in just a minute for you. Or you can keep them kind of in the round table discussing amongst each other in response to you directing them to advise you and support you in the achievement of your vision and maybe to inspire greater, grander, bigger, brighter, more colorful visions, whatever role you want them to take. But it's a powerful thought experiment to enhance creative thinking, to use the model of excellence. And it's coming from NLP, in which they built a syntax to decode 
what high achievers did that was different so their magic could be transferred. Then again, geniuses are born. We all are. But since they weren't composing symphonies or discovering electricity in the maternity ward, they're also made and modeling them as a way to use accelerated learning. Aspects worth modeling can include physiology, attitude, beliefs, sensory experience. It works in part because it's often easier for, say, a beginning entrepreneur to see Steve Jobs coming up with an innovation that reinvents his field than to see himself or herself doing it or their self. Making such an inner movie vivid, dramatic, bigger than life can take things up another level. But the first step is to choose a model. And in the inner board of advisors, of course, you're choosing many of them. But who do you represent excellence in handling the issues you're dealing with? Historical genius like Tesla, Einstein, a famous author, marketing consultant, business person, mythological figure like Apollo or Thor, and how would it look and sound if this person took your place for a while in dealing with your challenges? And actually going through the thought experiment is making a movie. And then imagining you're at the theater and then you, there's the usual squeaking of chairs, the hushed lighting, the smell of popcorn. You're watching a film about your model of excellence taking your place and facing your challenges. How would things turn out differently? If I was taking someone through this exercise, I would ask them to fully immerse in watching your model of excellence create results in your situation. And then I'd ask them to rewind the movie to the beginning, watch it again, only this time superimpose an image of another you over there, like you're watching yourself, superimposed with special effects controls over the model of excellence. So you're seeing both at the same time. Maybe just, first of all, a translucent, faint image of the other you, matching their actions, their way of looking at the world differently, their energy, their drive, how they breathe, how they think, and then making it more and more real until the other you replaces the model fully, playing the movie all the way to the end, replacing the model excellence with the other you until you see yourself acting, thinking, feeling the same way. I might ask him to add a soundtrack of motivating music, like John Williams, the composer of the Star Wars themes, or Hans Zimmer, composing the soundtrack, or maybe a different kind of music would fit. Whatever you find motivating. And as the producer of this inner movie, you can enhance the drama of the achievement with perspective tricks or special effects, like add fireworks sparkling high above, celebrating the achievements, or a crowd roaring in a large stadium, and taking the time to make it vivid and bigger than life. And then, again, if I was taking someone through this thought experiment, I asked them to use the remote control to restart the movie from the beginning, and only, only this time to step into it fully and make it a three-dimensional immersive virtual reality experience 
So you're seeing out from your own eyes with unbounded scenery in all directions. And again, this time in the movie, seeing out from your own eyes, play it all the way through to the end. And I'd ask them, what new actions, what new thoughts emerge? What different feelings do you notice when playing this enhanced character? Now, they might feel free to step back out, go to the production room and make some adjustments so that you feel totally aligned, congruent in the experience ahead of stepping back into it as a 3D, immersive, virtual reality movie, seeing it from their own eyes, hearing it from their own ears, feeling themselves fully in it. I might ask them things like, how would things be different if you consistently applied this going forward? How would your results change, your relationships, your mindset? I might remind them how when an image displayed too long in an old computer monitor would get burned in and how practicing such mental movies regularly can similarly imprint them deeply so it becomes a subconscious process. And what skills and achievements and models of excellence would be helpful to burn in the theater of the mind? Thought Leadership Studio. So a question could become, how would things be different in your life if, like Napoleon Hill, you listed a group of people that represent your ideals, or a group of mythological figures, fictional characters, historical figures, a combination of those, and you met with them regularly in the theater of your mind's eye. Maybe going as far as using them for models of excellence, or maybe consulting with them, having them respond to your direction about where you want to take your thought leadership, where you want to take your audience. So this wraps up episode number 14 of Thought Leadership Studio. How to Build Your Inner Board of Advisors. I'm Chris McNeil, your host. Thanks for listening. If you're not currently listening on thoughtleadershipstudio.com, check out the link in the episode notes. It has more information on this process we talked about in the podcast from some different perspectives. And it's got links to free offers like the Marketer's Guide to Strategic Thought Leadership, which you should get if you have not already to learn about the building blocks of strategic thought leadership and a link to a free 30-minute brainstorming session with me to help you with your strategic thought leadership. I'd love to work with you if you're looking to enhance that. Thanks again for listening and see you next week. Thought Leadership Studio.